July 16, 2015. This is the Hermetic Hour. And tonight, your host, Polk Runyon and Frater Solomon, will discuss and perhaps briefly demonstrate a path working to the late medieval artist Hermanus Bosch's Garden of Earthly Delights, created and narrated by Frater Solomon. Now, this was recently performed at Monsolat for Inner Order members, and because of the complexity of the imagery, it should be considered an advanced working. The presentation was enhanced by graphic backgrounds and sculptural figures placed on the altar, making it something of a perky path layout. The spectral guide was a figure from Bosch's Revelation of St. John the Divine called uh, Titanilus, a surrealistic version of a church choir proctor with an insect's tail. So if you want to open, your, uh, open up your mind's eye and step into this fantasy land, we'll tell you how it's done. Uh, let me explain uh, a little bit about a few of the things they just mentioned in the abstract. In the first place, we talked about, uh, I mentioned the perky pad layout. Now, I, we've discussed uh, this before in, in, in connection with the works of Philip uh, K. Dick. Uh, and to explain what a perky pad layout is, uh, one of uh, Philip Dick's uh, novels uh, concerned colonists on Mars who lived in a subterranean, and they lived in subterranean uh, bunkers. Uh, somewhat similar to missile silos. And uh, life was pretty harsh and boring. And so they, uh, they yeah, uh, and uh, Frater Solomon's on, but he but he just told me to let, let me go ahead and, and uh, uh, before I bring him on, I'm going to go ahead and, and finish the introduction here. Uh, anyway, these, these uh, uh, colonists on Mars lived down in these, in these underground bunkers, and they, uh, and uh, they entertained themselves with uh, these these urban or suburban layouts of a typical uh, a typical middle American suburban home, um, and, and and sort of on a, on a tabletop. This is kind of similar to a. To a to a kid's uh, uh, railroad railway train layout on a you know on a on a on a tabletop which which many of you are familiar with, and uh, and they and they have a you know a house suburban house and a garage and a car and all that and then and a dollhouse and sort of you know it's like and and then they had they had uh, figures um, <laughs> actually very very similar to uh, uh, Ken and Barbie. Um, uh, Mattel, uh, Ken and Barbie figures, and they would, they would, uh, you know, literally, it sounds like, uh, like kids playing with dolls, which is what they were doing, except, uh, they enhanced, uh, this whole procedure with a, with a, a psychedelic drug called Can B. And, uh, and then they were able to enter their layouts and actually, uh, be perky and pat. And live a suburban uh, life, and uh, sort of a little soap opera that they had, and uh, it was a form of virtual reality, uh, a virtual reality game, kind of cross between having an electric train in your basement and, and and a monopoly board. 
but uh, um, so that that uh, is where the perky pet idea comes from, and we've uh, we've used that for uh, temple setups and and, uh, and and various things. But this, uh, what we did with this one is we used Bosch horrendous Bosch action figures, which are really really fascinating, and uh, these action figures. Uh, were used on the altar, and, and we set up the triptych behind them, so they formed a kind of a diorama, if you've ever seen one of these dioramas, uh, like a movie set where you have uh, you have uh, models in the foreground and, and a painting in the background, and the whole thing sort of goes together. Uh, that's how we set this up, and, and, uh, and then... Uh, and then Prater Solomon uh, uh, got us into a trance, and and uh, and we did the path working. Uh, and and so uh, uh, Prater Solomon, you're, you're are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Uh, so uh, what I what I uh, would like you to do is to tell us. Uh, First, let's let's talk about all of the everything that went into 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 putting this thing together, like getting the uh, the action figures and and uh, and and uh, the Bosch figures, and yeah, explain to us uh, 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 how you how we set the whole thing up. And uh, would you go ahead and 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 tell us about that and, and the preparation yeah. you went into for it? Go ahead. Well, what's really neat is a, is a company called Lucion uh, in. in um, Netherlands decided, hey, let's make action figures out of Bosch. It's a really popular, uh, he's a really popular um, painter. So um, so I got all these figures because Polk absolutely loves to round with Bosch, and so do I. He's got a really neat big cryptic of the Garden of Earthly Delights. And it inspired me, it made me think, you know, we go to all these wonderful places on our pathworkings, but why not Bosch? The symbolism so rich. And it really is. So um, the, the first one we did, uh, because we just had the right devices to, to start it, uh, was uh, the Garden of Earthly Delights. We had the triptych, and we had all the statues to go with it. So um, we had the board over um, last week, and I thought, you know, this, this could really be fun. And so I started working on a path working, and it's been in the making for – we've been talking about it for the past couple months. It, it's probably going to evolve into um, – Six-degree material. Um, just to give you a little background on the Garden of Earthly Delights, there's three tip triptychs. One represents uh, the triptych on the left. You can look it up if you want online if you have access to a computer. Uh, the Garden of Earthly Delights uh, by Bosch. Uh, you have the Garden of Eden. You have Adam and Eve, and what appears to be Jesus Christ in the center. In a centerpiece, you have Paradise on Earth, which represents. Uh, Bosch's envisioned paradise of the uh, Adamites, um, who, who were a, a sect that says, let's go back to living the way that Adam and Eve did and dance around naked and we'll be fine. And uh, I've read something this week that I think is worth noting, and that is that this actually represents um, what Bosch would probably have envisioned the New World, the Americas, which had been recently discovered, to be the place where the Adamites could have placed their paradise. There is... Um, the New Jerusalem in the uh, Book of Revelation is actually described about it's about the same size as the continental United States. Uh, <laughs> so it, it was the perfect place to envision, hey, if there's going to be a paradise on Earth, it's not going to be here; it's going to be there. 
they they were in the midst of a war, which makes uh, the panel on the right um, actually where Hieronymus Bosch was living. And the big hint that that actually represents the Earth in the uh, 1500s is because Hieronymus Bosch actually paints himself in the portrait. Now you can see him, uh, his face is uh, on the eggshell tree man. <coughs> but what I decided to do is, um, we can't have this on Earth if we're going to do a path working, and uh, we, we want to start experimenting with the stars. So this also represents the spiritual plane. So I, I decided that I, I couldn't find when Hieronymus Bosch was born, uh, because nobody knows, but I could find out when he died, and he died in the constellation of Leo. So I researched Leo, and um, within uh, Leo, there is one of the stars actually has a planet they've discovered around it. And that star is a, called, it was called Rasala by the Arabs, or Leonis by the Greeks. <coughs> so I decided... Um, I'm going to take you guys to this uh, planet, and we're going to experience his spiritual realm because we, we know when we pass on, we we go back into the zodiac and we go back through our cycle. So this was the perfect place to put it. And so with that being said, um, I put up the triptych, uh, which poked out on our altar, and then I took all the figurines and, and I placed them relatively close to where they were on the triptych. And um, I, I took... Um, I, I, I took the participants on a journey so they could experience which e what each of these things would have meant. And uh, the good thing about that is it really allows us to delve into that altered state of mind that Bosch was in when he was creating these paintings. And uh, with that being said, um, Rasala is a star that is on, <laughs> it's 122 light years away. So uh, I decided to find out what exactly was going on 122.7 light uh, years ago, so I could actually take take you back to the time that we're seeing Rosala right now. I was able to uh, point the participants to exactly where Rosala was um, from the temple. It was in the direction of uh, Gabriel. Leo was sitting behind uh, um, Gabriel's quadrant right now. So uh, with that being said, Pope, you want me to uh, cue it up and. Um, Get everybody started to listen in. Yeah, uh, yeah. We 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 were saying that uh, uh, that uh, we we wanted to just do the first uh, say ten minutes of it. We 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 could run it here and and uh, we could run it here and and uh, put the you know put the phone up to the speaker. We can't block talk radio. Uh, couldn't. Uh, they couldn't uh, uh, load it, uh, and, and and so we'll do it. But before we get into before we get into doing about ten ten minutes of it, let me uh, let me say a few things uh, uh, about this. Uh, uh, for one thing, uh, we didn't have like like Phil Phil Dick's book. We we didn't have any candy, but we did have some mugwort essential oil, which <laughs> which I passed around, and Worked so well. everybody had a. Yeah, and, and the mugwort essential oil, uh, if you put it in your diffuser, uh, is is nice for lucid dreaming. And and uh, of course, the best time to do lucid dreaming is is uh, that I found is is in the in the hypnopompic state when you're when you're uh, just just waking up in the morning. That's when you can really do it. Uh, but uh, uh, um, the uh, the the thing about uh, this 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 um, this Hieronymus Bosch uh, working 
that makes it uh, that makes it really an inner order project is a tremendous complexity, a tremendous complexity of this uh, of of uh, well their Garden of Earthly Delights and and uh, other other works of Bosch uh, that need to be studied. The symbolism needs to be studied and. Uh, some people who are already doing that. I mean, this 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 is uh, uh, quite frankly, Hermannus Bosch is becoming a cult, and and as as you can probably imagine, and and one one guy, and I was reading tonight, one guy said, every time I look at the at at, at the Garden of Earthly Delights, the figures have moved. They're in different places. And of course, people thought he was a bit dingy, but I mean, but yeah, you know, this this sort of thing can can you can get absolutely entranced with this thing, and it's like a an Abraham Merritt story where you where you you step into you know you you you, you see the you the the ship of Ishtar and the little figures move around on the deck, <laughs> and then you and then you go to the ship, you know, and 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 have your adventures on the ship, and this is. And Merritt also wrote one called the Dragon Glass, where you go, where you go through this painting, the, the you go into this into this painting and, and China, Chinese painting, and actually walk down the road up into the Chinese mountains, and 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 this is what this is the sort of thing that we're that we're working on here is is to enter this world, and and uh, we have a oh by the way the book uh, our yoga book is out. And I'm I'm sent several copies of it, and we're going to be available to members only, by the way, uh, for the, for this year. And and we have a method for opening the third eye and actually stepping out into these things, and it's in this book. And this method will work perfectly once once we get this this path working perfected. Uh, now, um, uh, with that in mind, uh, you go ahead. Uh, Go ahead, uh, Mike, and, and and play the first. Uh, you know, you play. Let's let's just run the first ten minutes of the path working, and uh, and, and from your end, and we'll see how it, how it plays. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Getting it queued up now. Are you are you started yet? Yeah. Um, for some reason the volume's kind of low, so. I don't hear it. And we want to run it from our end. You want? You want? Shall we run it from our end? Yeah, it seems like when I'm on a phone call, it 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 it, it mutes the sound significantly. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and run. I, I'm going to go ahead and run the first ten minutes from our end. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's okay. A good idea. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Zandria. Uh, run the run the first uh, the first ten. Notice the sense of peace, which is coming over your body. Allow your eyes just to gently relax. You're going in the direction of water, and you are feeling peaceful waves from the Archangel Gabriel overcoming you, putting you in a wonderful state of absolute peace. And as you allow your eyes to close, notice what you are to remember and let it settle inside your mind deeply, powerfully, and wonderfully. 
All the stresses, all the concerns of this realm are gone. For you are proceeding to a time before you were even born. 122 and a half years ago. Peaceful, relaxed, you are entering a time when you were spirits, free from the cumbersome natures of your daily lives. And you are entering into a realm which is the same. You can feel peaceful, soothing waves in your toes, relaxing all the tension in your feet from the ankles below is totally, absolutely, and completely relaxed as your spirit begins to withdraw itself up through your calves and your shins and to your knees. All that which is below is left behind as your spirit body becomes more condensed and feels like loose rubber bands. Your thighs, totally relaxed, as though they were dropping to the ground like soft milk. Light, completely relaxed. Your midsection falls. Like a heavy bowling ball, it drops. You can feel your spirit totally disconnect from your stomach, gradually your chest, your lungs. Your body is doing what it needs to do while your spirit, your consciousness, pulls itself up. Pulling itself up from the fingers, the tips of the fingers, it is becoming totally relaxed. The hands, you can feel them drop from you as your consciousness floats up, flutters up like butterflies to the point it's up in your shoulders like air and your consciousness begins to strangely rise like helium separating from the rest of the air. You can feel your spirit knocking against the tops of your head. It is knocking. It is ready to leave. Your consciousness is ready to go up. It is ready to race to the constellation of Leo, to the star called Rasala. Notice your, your spirit. It becomes more condensed, more condensed, and then pop. You are now standing before the altar and hopping on the altar altogether. You look at Tantilus, that scribe who records all your sins. The statue seems to become alive, as you can see. It's taken over by the spiritual presence which emanates from it. He points towards the two canoes of the eggshell tree man, whom life was Hieronymus Bosch, as you can see his face, that broken eggshell. He points. The eggshell tree man. You all load up. You get inside the canoe, two in each, and you prepare for your journey. 
wondering how a tree man with canoes for feet is going to take you there. But it is no mystery, for you notice Tantalus, all of a sudden those wings he has spread out, and he flutters above, grabbing two branches of Hieronymus Bosch, now as a tree man. He flies you there. He introduces you under his new magical name, Dork Nibro. As he's flying, he speaks to you. I died in Leo. To Orag Moon, Jagger Dawn, Purgatorium, Hieronymus, I did go. Volcanic and smoggy, I went in a rush. Born again on Orag's moon. Alessanara, Paradisium Hieronymus, like Eden it was, and all rather plush. You're flying now, 122 years into the past towards that light. And you see a planet that looks remarkably like Jupiter. This is Orag. You see a dark moon, and you see a beautiful green and blue moon. But you go to the dark one, and this is Jaggerdon. This is where, in the painting, you saw the smog and the fire. You land on the planet, the moon, rather. It lands in a dark river. You get off, and you notice the sights around you. You notice things in particular that stood out when you were looking in the painting. But you look towards two ears that are stuck together with a knife through them. And you wonder as to its meaning. The two ears don't speak to you, but you know its name. For Hieronymus Bosch, as Gork Negro tells you, that is Greek, the pierced ears. Adokia has nothing to say, but you notice your own ears come together. As even blackness disappears from your eyes, and there is no vision, there is only sound. And you get this message. What have you heard that was evil or ill-intentioned and internalized? Believing without thinking. That is the reason these ears are together. They symbolize the time we believed without thinking. And you can feel a dagger pierce through your ears. This is because this is purgatory. Not as a hellish eternal punishment, but for you to recognize, to cut yourself off from foul talk. Gork then points you out to Sonara, the snake nun, you being led by Tantalus, who is silent. A good snake or a bad nun? Wicked, for she had a deceitful tongue. In life, she chastised the old and deceived the young. Tantalus then points you to Clope, the knight head with legs but no arms. How peculiar a sight. A pig nun. Quite a fright. 
cloak the night with legs and no arms with a raven's head I run to devour no hands here to do good because in life I only fought and took claiming to give was just not in my power Papisha the pig nun she cannot speak but Gork describes her a good pig or a bad nun this nun only gorged off tithes, giving nothing back. She... Okay, that's about 10 minutes. Are you there, Mike? Yes, I am. Okay, that's about 10 minutes. I want to mention uh, that um, um, uh, you have you have the big, uh, the big, great big fat Bausch book by, uh, by Wilhelm uh, Franger, uh, the German Yes, scholar. I do. Uh, yeah, the right one, the one that... that the one that I inherited from from uh, my my beloved mentor uh, uh, Frederick Adams, and uh, I want to mention that um, that Wilhelm Franger has a has a different concept of uh, the, uh, the Garden of Earthly Delights triptych than just about everybody else does. He uh, he has a concept that both Fred Adams and I really liked, and that that is that. That um, that the the center the center panel with all the uh, uh, the delightful uh, uh, nudists frolicking around with the uh, uh, with the hummingbirds and everything else that that represents the the, the paradise of the Adamites of the Adamite sect and that the uh, that the, the the side the, the side with all the the torturous stuff going on the one that we were going through. Uh, is over there is not really purgatory or hell. It's the world. It's the the real world as it as it uh, was in 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 Bosch's time. And then of course the Garden of Eden over on the other side. That's that's uh, that is what it is. Uh, and leading to the the paradise of the Adamites, which which was their idea of how to how to go back to Eden. In other words, they wanted to recover uh, innocence by. Uh, uh, by returning to paradise and 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 being innocent like Adam and Eve and just avoiding the snake, you know, and uh, and and they return to innocence, kind of like the concept of the uh, of the uh, the pure fool at the top of the tree and the arch fool at the bottom of the tree, which we're familiar with and and in the Hermetic Kabbalah. Uh, now uh, that said, that concept of course is a lot uh, is a lot more uh, I'm, I'm much more in favor of that concept than I am the idea of hell and by the way when uh, when you review um, uh, the history of of, of the, the the Netherlands where Bosch grew up and where he uh, and where he worked uh, at that time at the time he was working all the way up through, uh, you realize that uh, that uh, Fanger, Fanger's concept is 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 perhaps pretty accurate because uh, Spain uh, the Spain inherited uh, the Holland the Netherlands uh, uh, as a result of uh, the, the the Habsburg dynasty. Uh, this was kind of uh, a tangled a tangled royalist. Politics in the Holy Roman Empire and and the, the Habsburgs were were also related to the Spanish and 
and and so they ended up the Spanish ended up uh, controlling Spain for all the way from the 1400s on through to the and through the, through to the 1700s, and 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 this was and so there, along comes the Protestant Reformation, and and the Spanish being the, the, the you know being super Catholics, uh, and 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 the Reformation taking place in a lot of it in the Netherlands. Uh, this. The, the, the Netherlands during the, during Bosch's life uh, was mostly an absolute hell. It really looked like that 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 right hand side of the triptych. Uh, they had the eighty. They won the hundred years. It was the eighty years war, and the country was just devastated, and they were killing each other over over uh, you know religious issues. And uh, it sounds like the like the Middle East today. And, and yeah, it was very much like like the Middle East today, and the Spanish, the Spanish were acting like 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 ISIS is acting today, and the the Inquisition. And by the way, the Inquisition was was chasing Bosch. They 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 were they were they were very suspicious of his uh, his form of spiritual pornography, but at the time they were chasing him. Philip, Philip of Spain, the king of the king of Spain, was was making a private collection of Bosch's artwork, and uh, and becoming Bosch's biggest biggest fan. Uh, so I, I want to point I want to point this out that 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 may not be purgatory. That may just really be Bosch's represent representation of of what was going on in the Netherlands at the time. There's a huge hint, Pope, that you're absolutely right. Uh, and that's the fact that he painted it in the painting himself. And what we have to understand about Netherlands at the time, it was a, a very devout nation. And one thing that we don't think about, we like to put hell off somewhere outside of the universe and heaven somewhere outside of the universe too. But back then, the spirit realm was very real, and it, it wasn't far below, and it wasn't far above. It was with them. They had spirits running around all the time in their minds. So all of these things that he's depicting, <clears throat> you have the burning buildings, which is something he actually saw. And, and what this eggshell oh, tree man represents is how Bosch probably felt with everything that he was doing and, and everybody that he was seeing. Like, he was probably seeing a lot of hypocritical nuns, uh, and, and that's why you see the nuns depicted the way that they are. You see, uh, you see a priest here or a bishop, and, and he's depicted in a negative light in this column. So that that's definitely what he's doing is he's depicting the spiritual world as it is. And, um, and, and this, bird, this blue bird devil who's swallowing people, and that represents people dying. And, and I like what you pointed out. That probably represents reincarnation symbolically too. But people are being dropped oh, into yeah, the ground. Well, you, know, you know, you could... There, there's so much. There is so much depth in in this in oh, this is. work. I mean, this this is a lifetime. This can be a lifetime study of uh, Bosch's symbolism, and it can be a lifetime study. And 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 it it is. And, and some people think he was an alchemist. He certainly was familiar with it. Carl Jung thought he was. And and uh, I've been uh, uh, you know I've been going over these various uh, theories and. You can you can do a lot of studying on the inter- internet because a lot of it you know a lot of the uh, the different theories and all are, are available on the internet. Once you start once you start googling Hermes Bosch, you're you're off on your you're off on your quest. And I want to encourage 
uh, our people, especially people that are that are progressing in the order, because this really is this really is an inner order kind of a thing. I mean, it, it, it's uh, it's it's really really uh, you know complex and and uh, <coughs> the other comparable uh, to Tibetan yeah, Buddhism, like their meditation. Yeah, it's very much like Tibetan Buddhism. I wanted to mention this. It is in a way it reminds me of the Kala Chakra Tantra. And the reason why it does is because the Kala Chakra Tantra, the visualizations are so vastly complex. They're vastly complex, and and that's because it is the highest level Tantra that the Tibetans have. And in a sense, this 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 Bosch's symbolisms, in a sense, can be can be the Western uh, can be the Hermetic. Traditions, one of the Hermetic traditions, highest tantras, because it it uh, it, it is a, it's a massive massive work, and and uh, mastering it, uh, it would you know on the spiritual side would, would as I say it could be a lifetime study, and uh, um, the uh, uh, the idea of being able to actually uh, go into this. Remember when we started out talking about this project. I wanted to kind of do a, um, I wanted to kind of do a, uh, and I may do it yet, a, um, a Dan Brown type uh, story, you know, uh, uh, a Langdon kind of story where where the where the uh, the archaeologist or the uh, the you know the the philosopher or whatever he goes to he he visits the Prado in Spain and he's looking at the painting and uh, and and. Uh, the guardian in the form of a monk comes up behind him, you know, and and uh, and you know, and and sort of taps him on the shoulder and whispers in his ear, "You want a closer look?" You know, something like that. And and uh, and 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 he has, and the King Philip, King Philip has a secret uh, grimoire that uh, that that he has developed along with uh, uh, with 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 a with a magician. Somebody, you know, uh, they developed this 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 method of getting into, you know, of actually uh, a magical ritual for getting into the uh, the end of the end of the Bosch world, and and make a story out of this, and and uh, and I, I we were thinking about that, and, and and you know we discussed it, and that's where we, uh, you know, that's where I, I got you thinking about who the guardian ought to be. And you, uh, and then you selected, right. uh, you selected, uh, what, how do, how do we, uh, I mean, get, see, how is this, 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 well, this I, I, I gotta, I gotta, uh, Dwight, Ty, 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 uh, becomes the, the guardian, and, and I said, well, we'll make him a monk, we'll, 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 uh, we'll make him a monk for the sake of, yeah, he's the of, perfect uh, candidate. Yeah, yeah, he make, make him a monk, uh, in, in the, in the Prado. Uh, uh, art gallery, uh, and and uh, and yet we can't have his we can't have his great big insect tail. Uh, well, you know, he's driving out from under his monk's robe. That's possible, but but uh, that he would be the because yeah, he is he's a choir master, and he looks like a choir master, you know, with his face. Uh, and he would be the he would he would be the guardian. And then we could have uh, King Philip's uh, old grimoire in a glass case, you know, opened up an illuminated manuscript, and that—that's the ritual on how to on how to get into the path working. The whole idea is is really, really, uh, I think, it's fascinating. 
but uh, you know these these little figures, these these wonderful little sculptural figures, uh, and, and you know, I know you you got quite a collection of them now, uh, and of course I'm going to uh, start get developing a collection too because uh, I I find this this uh, this whole subject absolutely fascinating. Uh, so um, uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about. Uh, uh, Spain uh, under the Spaniards. Do you, you, uh, do you have anything to say about that? Well, I mean, Hieronymus Bosch was really in a, he, he was in quite a pickle. I mean, he was favored by the king, but hated by the Inquisition. And, and that confusion and that fear, but that desire to please really, it, it really just ignited some incredibly beautiful imagery, but scary imagery at the same time. Um, you, you could tell he hated the hypocrisy of the um, Inquisition because uh, all the, the – if you look at the Garden of Earthly Delights, one thing that you'll notice is you don't see a single nun, bishop, or priest. You only see them where he's painting the hellish world, which shows that what he's doing is he's criticizing the hellish Europe that he lived in because it was literally a, a hell on earth at that time. It was very scary. Uh, the Inquisition was very evil. and um, the figures who seem to be painted to the worst uh, tend to be uh, the um, the nuns, bishops, and knights are the ones that are depicted as the uh, the worst yeah. beings because they were the ones who were in charge of all the killing. Um, yeah. Well, now, speaking as of, the, uh, yeah. I was going to say, speaking now, of now the Inquisition. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I want to mention. Uh, speaking of the of the Inquisition, uh, we uh, aside, you know, they they also uh, they also made inroads into Italy. They constantly, uh, they because uh, the the Spaniards were constantly going into Italy during the Renaissance, you know, and and they made an incursion into Italy uh, uh, and took over Florence back in the in in, in, in about thirteen hundred. Uh, the Inquisition took over Florence, and and our, our the first uh, the first uh, European uh, magician to do uh, to do a goetic evocation uh, in a mirror, by the way, was uh, was uh, Secco de Ascoli, and he wrote a book about it and, and mentioned his his uh, uh, his uh, summoning this goetic demon in a mirror, and and, and mentioned that in 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 a, in a book he had on astrology. And he went over and visited Florence and didn't realize that the Spanish Inquisition was in charge in Florence, and they grabbed him and burned him at the stake. And and uh, you know they these these people were they were they were just they 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 were they were more evil than than, than anything that they were going after. And uh, and uh, they, they you know. Um, uh, like like Monty Python, I was joking about it when we talked about Seco de Ascoli some time back. You know, <laughs> he got over to Florence, and nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, you know, like Monty Python saying. But uh, but uh, uh, they what they 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 must have been in in Holland uh with 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 the Calvinists especially in Holland that they, they they good lord uh what a what a horrible mess that must have been uh and see, we see all of that reflected in 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 Bosch's work uh now what do you uh, uh what do you think about uh, what do you think about the uh 
the uh, the idea of of uh, creating a vehicle. Let's say if we were to place this as you have on an, on another planet, uh, we use uh, uh, our our Kusor's boat uh, for for advanced you know uh, for flying over path we've already done higher spheres of the tree of life. But in this case, I think that uh, that 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 tree of life flying saucer uh, design might be a good idea. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that that's really um, that's really neat because if we're going into the stars, yeah. it, it it goes back to the tradition of uh, you know the the uh, the Hebrew tradition of a Merkaba or, or the uh, the wheels. Um, Ezekiel talked about these wheels. Uh, we're flying towards the heavens. So, if anything, as a flying saucer is obviously wheel shaped, and uh, Polk's design is, is, is it's really brilliant. It's got a, on on the bottom of one side, it has the zodiac, which really it helps key you into the stellar system. And, and we're going to be using that. Um, I have the other ones. I'm starting to flesh out the other ones, and uh, I use the zodiac based on particular dates as far as triggering you, you into the uh, star system. So uh, the flying saucer is brilliant because well, oh, uh, after we get the yeah. Soma Sophia developed, um, we're going to be going into the stars. What we've been doing, like in, in uh, the outer order, Kusor, it's more of an internal journey. But this is a journey that really, you know, it spreads you out into the entire universe. So the flying saucer is a good vehicle to to really you know, we, we went in the mind. Now what we want to do in the inner order is expand the mind to fill the whole universe. Well, what, what I, what I've been thinking, uh, in regard to that, that, to that wheel, or did it literally is, we, we could, we might, uh, you know, the, the term flying saucer is, is, is a bit, uh, is a bit, uh, uh, Campy, maybe. 1900s. Uh, maybe we ought to call it. Maybe we ought to call it the heavenly wheel, because what it I will like be that. is, it, yeah, is the uh, is the uh, uh, the spheres of the tree of life around in a circle, and they revolve, and so it, yeah, it looks, it, it, and, and they revolve, and of course, uh, and and we can have some interesting tonalities when that when that occurs. Uh, and then I used a unicursal, a kind of a flexible unicursal hexagram in the middle, sort of as the engine that runs the whole thing, put the breath in the middle of it. Uh, so it becomes a, a revolving tree of life. And, and that way, it's a revolving tree of life that could go through the, that could go through the Da'at or Saturn gate and, 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 and be off on its way. And, uh, and it's because we need, yeah, we need, we need some sort of a magical vehicle. And uh, I think that's that's probably better than using a, uh, you know, uh, the Kusor's boat actually could, it, it could spread its wings and, and fly off into outer space. And I've done that before with Kusor's boat. But I think that that, that it's better to do something like this. Uh, and uh, uh, these are all plans that we have for, you know, uh, for, well, basically they're, they're, they're uh, six degree uh, type uh uh, type techniques and uh, and uh, and workings. I uh, I think that the Bosch, the whole uh, Bosch universe or or, or Bosch uh, uh, realms, uh, we ought to we ought to start collecting and 
and uh, and researching uh, the symbolism uh, from a hermetic point of view, and get that together and uh, and uh, and keep working on this and and. Uh, so, any any uh, uh, final thoughts before we uh, before we conclude here? Uh, yeah, we got uh, we got 15 minutes, so I'll talk a little bit about his other two paintings. W- one's really neat. Uh, the symbolism is absolutely amazing because it was in the 1500s, and that is uh, the Temptation of Saint Anthony. Um, that's going to be taking place in uh, the continent of Capricorn when Saint. An- I mean, sorry, Saint. Uh, yeah, St. Anthony's, uh, the feast day is, St. Anthony of Alexandria. Um, and, and I couldn't find any um, planets that we discovered in um, Capricorn yet, but I did find a messier object. So there's a really big star cluster we're going to be be able to go to to find the planet where all that uh, took place. So we'll have fun. But one of the, the neat figures that's in there uh, on the uh, left-hand triptych is... Um, a bird man, really big bird man. He's got a, a red cloak on. And on the side, he's got a, a lapel. It's uh, it, it's yellow with a blue square and compass. It's a Masonic symbol. And uh, it existed in the 1500s before we um, knew that um, masonry, uh, we don't have proof that masonry existed, solid proof that uh, scholars agree on. But to me, this is an indicator that... Um, Maybe just maybe he was a Mason before Masonry was um, as widespread as it became in the um, 1700s. Yeah, you showed me that, and and I, I think we showed that uh, to uh, to Philos too, and and uh, uh, that, that that's really uh, that's really uh, uh, amazing because it looks like yeah, it does. It looks just exactly like a square and a compass. And nobody added that to the painting. That that that's that's original. And uh, so uh, Bausch is just really a treasure trove of, of marvelous images. You know, and and uh, there's a magic mirror in in uh, in uh, the, the on the right hand side of uh, on the right hand side of, of Garden of Earthly Delights down there toward the bottom. Uh, there's a magic mirror on somebody's rear end, actually, and I think there's a there's a girl that's been shot through the heart looking into it. Uh, it's kind of gruesome, but but it's definitely a magic mirror. And uh, there is all sorts of uh, symbolism in 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 this in these paintings that that are just uh, just just absolutely with you know they're hermetic, and you know and you know Bosch was certainly into 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 hermetic arts, and uh, there's no doubt. And and uh, I'm I, I'm absolutely fascinated. Now there's also let's see there's the hay wain. We can talk about that a little bit. Uh, what do you think about the hay wain? Yeah, uh, the hay wain. Um, I, I don't want to say I'm underwhelmed, but if you look at the hay wain, it was really a prequel to the Garden of Earthly Delights. The Garden of Earthly Delights. What what the Geronimus Bosch did with hay wain is he, he took it, he, he took this concept and, and he took it to the next level and he really detailed it. I, I think the Garden of Earthly Delights is in going back to what he did in, in Hay Wayne, adding what he thought is an afterthought. So the, the neat thing about the working that we did is it pretty much takes you through Hay Wayne, except it's far richer and more complex. Um, he made the Garden of Earthly Delights later, and uh, it, it's really, it's very thick in symbolism. Um, 
There's some neat figures that are in Haywind that are not named uh, Garden of Earthly Delights, but for the most part, if you look at the two, you'll see what, what he did is he was really inspired by what he did in Haywind. And that is, a, that is a painting alone that you can really look at and stare at for hours. But um, this one, uh, that was what the King of Portugal, he, he literally stared at that painting for hours because um, it's so fascinating and it's so in-depth and it was made just for him. Hieronymus Bosch, when he made the Garden of Ripa Delights, he wanted to make something that kind of in a way was for everybody. And... Um, if you really get it, this is something that you can, like you said, you can't just stare at this thing for hours. You could literally stare at this for the rest of your life because each little component has such rich symbolism. And living the type of life life that he did, Hieronymus Bosch just had to be pumping with adrenaline because the threat of death was so prevalent on, on somebody as provocative as him as, a, as an artist. I mean, his his art is really, it's very shocking and um it, it's very much against the establishment and his so he was triggered by all this uh, you know he was seeing death everywhere and you can you can see the rich symbolism both in um Haywain and in um and in um oh, and, wow. and, and, in, and in the garden of earthly delights now now looking at the, the Haywain, um he does have a richer depiction of the um the, the Garden of Eden in a way that's actually significant. Remember how we talked about Elohim and Jehovah being separate uh, in the, um, the, the Old Testament? He paints yeah. Elohim in the sky, but Jehovah's on the ground with Adam and Eve. Um, he, he seems to distinguish the two when he paints them in this picture in, in a way that's kind of interesting. You have a being on the ground who's uh, Jehovah talking to Adam and Eve, and then you have uh, Elohim who's more uh, in, in the sky. And um, I, I don't know what he was keyed in on, but uh, you know, at least on a subconscious level, uh, we know that uh, there's a God who's all powerful and loving in the Bible, but there's also a, a version of God that is more capricious. Um, one author, Wellhausen, I, I think uh, I, I think he, he probably I, I don't remember exactly when he lived, but um, he might have lived around the same time and day as uh, Hieronymus Bosch. Now that I think about it, it'd be really interesting if he did, because he posited the theory that the Elohim of the uh, five books of Moses was different than the Jehovah of the five books of Moses, and um, he started splicing apart. His name was Elhausen. He started splicing up where the name Jehovah was used and the name Elohim was used. And uh, we start coming up with um, two completely different conceptions of God. Elohim is uh, in the heavens, and he directs his angels to do things from there. And then uh, Jehovah is uh, uh, on the earth. You read the first two chapters of Genesis, you'll see it. God said, and, and this was done. God said, and this was done. The next one, Lord God, he goes down and creates uh, Adam and Eve himself. That's actually Jehovah. The first one, it's Elohim in the first chapter, and then the second one, it, it's Jehovah. And uh, Jehovah has to go down to create man himself. He can't just do it with his word. Elohim does it with his word. So there, there's kind of an interesting string where there's two different conceptions of God. One is, uh, you know, the vindictive Old Testament God that we all recognize. The other one is the more distant Elohim who uh, kind of represents the compassionate Father El that the Canaanites used to worship. 
So I, I hope I'm Hell, saying something yeah. that is good and worthy of discussion there. Well, but it's, yeah, it's interesting you're, you're, that Bass separates those two. He separates your uh, and Jehovah and his things. Well, you're you're going right along with our with our uh, our philosophy that uh, that, uh, that 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 actually reflects a lot of the early Gnostic ideas that 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 the Father that the real Father God is 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 not uh, is not Jehovah, and the real Father God it, it corresponds with the ancient uh, Phoenician and Canaanite El, and uh, and and you know the the El who was called the Compassionate. And whereas Jehovah was was uh, jealous and wrathful, and uh, and and so uh, and and that goes right along with that, which of course is is uh, was the view of a lot of the Gnostic sects. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, this has been a, a fascinating discussion, and uh, and I'm sure that we've stimulated the minds of of, of our listeners, and I encourage them to take a take a look at. Uh, and 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 Mosh and and uh, and, uh, and and uh, but the main thing about this whole thing is is stimulates creativity and it and and it is it, it stimulates creativity and it it's it's a wonderful link it establishes this link between the artistic creative process and the spiritual process and that's what I think is really wonderful and uh, so thank you so much for for coming on board in this and thank you so much for, for perfecting and, and, and doing that, that operation and setting yeah. that whole thing up. And I really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, and, and I hope we've, I hope we've inspired some, uh, some hermetic art lovers this evening. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, next week we'll try to, I don't know, we're going to have a hard time topping this one, but next week we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be back. Uh, and, and, uh, and on the Hermetic Hour with another uh, with another stimulating with another stimulating show. And until then, good magic. All right, thanks for having me on. Good. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.